Hello there and welcome. You're listening to the Who, What, When podcast of the Chippewa Valley Museums. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send an email to info at cvmuseum.com. And don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. I'm Olaf. And I'm Jody. Today we'll be talking with Margaret Fast Becker about growing up in the Chippewa Valley in the 1930s and spending her summers in the model town of Ojibwa that her father started. Um, Margaret's father, Benjamin Fast, was a real estate broker who was best known historically for his efforts to encourage farming in the cutover lands. And I'm going to um, we, we're going to talk a little bit about and use the term cutover while we're talking. And just an explanation of what that is, the term cutover refers to the land that was full of stumps and brush that was left over after the lumber industry clear-cut the Chippewa Valley. And Margaret's father was v- very much interested in bringing people into the area to farm and to live in the cutover lands of, of northern Wisconsin and the northern parts of the Chippewa Valley. Um, one of one of Benjamin Foss's ideas was the ready-made farm, um, in which he would provide a package to farmers who would come move into the area. The package included a 40-acre farm, some livestock, fencing, a house that was built by the company, and free advice from a farming expert um, that all cost just over a thousand dollars. Um, one of Foss' most ambitious project was, as we mentioned before, the model town of Ojibwa in Sawyer County. He worked with a UW-Madison uh, professor to create a planned community that included a zoo, and of so- a zoo of some kind, um, <laughs> parks, and other features that were meant to attract settlers to the area. Um, I run into Ben Foss' name all the time when I'm working in the archives, and... Um, so I was really excited to hear that Margaret was around and was willing to speak with me. We've spent a couple of days just talking over her memories and looking at photos of Ojibwa and um, other areas that she has. So um, I'm excited to hear Margaret talk about her memories of summer spent in Ojibwe and her um, time there, as well as her father's other work in the Chippewa Valley. So Margaret... Um, why don't we get started? Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you were born, who your parents were, um, where you attended school, things like that? Okay. I was born in Eau Claire, okay. right down in the third ward, kind of at the end of Eau Claire at that time. I mean, you go up a hill and you're out in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the State Street Hill then you're talking about? The State Street Hill. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. And then I, I spent the summers, as you say, in Ojibwe, because that's really where Dad's business was, in trying to start this little community and trying to get work for all of the, the people up there. And so, you know, farming wasn't the easiest in northern part of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And so, and they had, a lot of them were from foreign countries, and uh, it came over here um, without any knowledge of of farming mm-hmm. and let alone farming in northern Wisconsin and so um, he started them with this this little house and I remember there was a little road out of Ojibwa that we called the Polish road because so many of the people that were there were coming from Poland they seemed to be much better at farming in the poor land up there I'm afraid <laughs> the dirt and the farms uh-huh. yep we'll talk <laughs> then, more about that too okay so um, 
and so that that's why I spent my summers in Ojibwa because he was, and that's where his business was. Sure. Although he wasn't there up in the there in the winter anyway. Right. Okay. Um, so you said you grew up in Eau Claire, or at least partially grew up in Eau Claire. Do you want to talk a little bit about well, where you spent your time? And com- completely in Eau Claire. Completely in Eau Claire, <laughs> but you traveled around a lot too, right? Well, but still had the basic in in Eau Claire. In fact, I, my house right now w- that I built is in my mother's backyard. So I have only moved a couple of feet from where I was born. <laughs> from where you were born, okay. But, uh, and we were at the end of town at that time, and uh, nobody else around there. And as I say, we spent our summers in Ojibwa. And so, so I really don't ever ha- remember spending, until I get older, any time in Eau Claire other than when I was going to school. So, so, um, so were you involved in the actual sort of business and were you were you brought into doing some of those things in your father's business the only thing that i can remember is when i worked in his office in the summer and he had all kinds of sheets of paper on all of the different farms maybe that were for sale or the different things and w- he would place ads in mainly the chicago newspapers and when they would get we'd get the mail on Mondays and Tuesdays and Thursdays when they had read the ads, then I would send whatever, if they were interested in like a two, two bedroom har, you know, farm or something, or maybe no house, I would try to send the articles along. Okay. But that, as I say, I, I'm sure he was just trying to give me something to do to keep me out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> what age would you have been then? What is what? What age would you, what age range would you have been at when you were doing that? Um, well, I was driving, so I would assume maybe 12, and, and I was driving a little young up there at Ojibwe, <laughs> so it, um, I would say 12 and older. 12 and older, okay. Um, what kinds of things did your dad talk about as far as bringing people into the Chippewa Valley? Did you ever hear him talking about his plans or you know, what was important to him? Not at all, uh, because so much of it, I think, was done before I was born, before he was married, he started in um, uh, a, a little town, not Ojibwa. I mean, there wasn't much in Ojibwa at all, but he started in, in another town around there. And then he came up um, to Ojibwa and they tried to start things. Well, it, it didn't pan out like he wanted, as you know, you have seen the plan that he had for Ojibwa, mm-hmm. which was enormous. And, and then the way it ended up, <laughs> <laughs> now it's not much. I don't think there's even a restaurant there anymore. So, so, so when you were traveling from Eau Claire to Ojibwa, uh, what was that like? Well, I mean, the what? How did how did you get there? And 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 what was it? What sort of of endeavor was it to travel from from out from? Well, there was no problem traveling with with cars, you know that. But what was different was living here in Eau Claire. With running water, electricity, and you know, a plotted land that you had to mow and everything else, which is the cities like it is now, mm-hmm. to get up there, and we did have electricity finally, but if there was a storm, you didn't have electricity anymore, and so so many of the men would stand in the back of their houses with flashlights and flash to the other houses to see if they were doing okay up there because most of them didn't have telephones. We had telephone for, I think, one 
summer that I was there, and that was all. Okay. And um, so, so you were, you know, if electricity or lightning hits your house, you were, <laughs> you were on your own. Right. Um, how how old were you when you stopped going to um, Ojibwa for the summers? I stopped when I was in high school. Okay. Uh, mother still went on up, but I started working here in Eau Claire then in the okay. summer, okay. which was, uh, if I'm on, on air, I shouldn't say how, how great it was to be alone in the house in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to get you in trouble now at this point. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, I had a question. If if you could describe what, what Ojibwa was and why it's unique as a town, do you do you have a way of describing that? Uh, of course, I didn't think of it as unique. Sure. When I, w- I mean, it was just where I spent my summers. Sure. And, um, but I suppose it was, what, what is amazing, Dad, of course, was at that time connected with the university. Sure. It Madison. He was the president of the Board of Regents at one time? He was. Okay. I, and I assume for about 18 years, as I remember. Okay. And so he tried to get a lot of the, I hate to say this, but the boys to go to Madison. I can't ever remember him trying to get any of the girls to go oh. down there. But I, as I came along, I think that he pushed girls a little bit he more. changed his mind a little? Um, but so, so a lot of them, the farms up there, that I, there would be three or four, you know, of their children that had gone to Madison. And uh, a few of them down here to Eau Claire, but most of them went down to Madison because he was able to put them in contact with somebody that would help them with jobs, help them with um, places to stay, and so many different things. And in fact, w- one of the the boys, Bob Sullivan, ended up being on the basketball team, one of the the main basketball team so down there. So I'm going to interrupt briefly. When you say the boys, do you mean boys from Ojibwa? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, but his idea with Ojibwa was to have a planned community, is that right? From what I understand, although it, it never developed that I could see that it was planned, other than the layout of it. Okay. The layout was done by, as I remember, some architect in Milwaukee had planned the, the, the city of Ojibwa. Oh, okay. I hmm. thought... I thought I read somewhere that it was a professor from the University of Wisconsin, but I could you be wrong. You could be right. That that could be, but okay. I know that it was originally, well, it, as you say, you've seen the plans, mm-hmm. what he had yep. on the whole plans. Yep. So. So, so was there actually a zoo there? What's what? Was there actually a zoo? Did the zoo end up happening? Well, if you consider bears and deer <laughs> as a zoo, you've got it. <laughs> there were never, to the best of my knowledge, ever anything else. They did have a big bear I mean, Deer Park, Mm -hmm. that they had deer there a while. And then this bear cage that was built with logs. And when the bear would get in the kind of, he could take that, you know, and shake the cage. And, of course, as a kid, I was petrified to go down there. I always stayed in the car. But um, I can't remember how long that, that they had this bear. And then they had a cub. But the cage that it was in couldn't keep the cub in the cage so anytime anybody would come by the cub would run out and my uncle was up there and he happened to be having a bag of candy and so oh. this bear took off after him 
(laughs) (laughs) So, but you were, you weren't going to get out there. You were staying in the car. No, but the guys, you know, especially in the fall and winter, you know, they've got heavy clothes on. And so when this cub would crawl up on them, they didn't feel, but if, you know, a woman could feel those claws going up, even as little, that little cub was cute as all get out. Anyway, they named the mother and dad, Maggie and Jigs. And I can't remember what they... So then there were three bears there. Um, the, the little bear wasn't there very long. Okay. Because of the fact he got out, um, he was evidently taken. Okay. So all of a sudden, okay. there's no little bear anymore. So So when you spent your summers in Ojibwa, um, what did you do? Did you have friends that you looked forward to seeing every summer? Yes, I did have friends, but uh, I also helped dad at the office. Other than that, there, we swam. We would go swimming every day in the river, mm-hmm. and uh, the Chippewa River, mm-hmm. which is <laughs> down it's, here. Yes, Ojibwe, Ojibwa is on the Chippewa River, right? Yeah, kind of right. between Hayward and um, Park Falls, is that right? Yes, if you're talking about the cross road, uh, and, and it would be north of, um, well, well, let's see, e- east of... West of Park Falls, you're right. Yes. It would be okay. in there, and okay. and north of Ladysmith. Okay. Do you, do you have a a favorite memory or a set of memories of of being there? Was was it Ojibwa? Yeah, something that really sticks um, with you. It, it was, you know, it was a wonderful experience. It was so different than my friends here in Eau Claire had. You know, I was kind of free to roam, and then. They tried awfully hard to make me want to stay up there. So Dad had um, was going to have a build a log cabin for himself. So some engineer, I believe from one of the Scandinavian countries, was doing a special way of taking a log and hollowing it out so another log could fit on top of it. So they built a little cabin for me hmm. down at the end of our yard, which overlooked our deer pasture. I also had deer. That was another okay. thing. We, I never could have a dog because we traveled. Okay. So I, I had chickens and deer as my <laughs> pets. And... Um, the deer we got through Poinette Game Farm, and you had to have a license for them, and they were fa- the two fawns that we started that, w- that were you know bottle fed, mm-hmm. and we'd go out there, and then um, they ended up having a fawn, and then dogs got into the pasture. The um, snow was so high that the s- chicken wire fencing had stopped, and the other ones it was a small dog that got in and. Um, and then they, they, was a, they used to have packs of dogs mm-hmm. running wild. Okay. And th- that's supposedly, this is the story that was told me. You know, I'm not too sure sometimes if it was always accurate because <laughs> I wasn't there. But um, So the dogs took care of the deer then? The dogs took that's care of the deer. Okay. Um, did you have to feed the deer? Or they were able to just forage? We had feed for them. Okay. Uh, th- their own feed. However, it, it was, I think we had to have an acre per deer or something like that. So there were, tr- of course, one summer, the leaves are all gone. I mean, the deer have eaten any food like that. So mm-hmm. I would go out into the woods next to our place and keep t- getting big branches and then kind of sticking them into the oh, fence okay. for them. So, But they did have their own special food. Okay. So um so you you mentioned that we've looked at the plans for Ojibwa that 
most of them didn't ever materialize, but there are plans that were drawn up for streets and different um, features of the um, of the town. And on the plan, I noticed that there was a, a space labeled the mall. Can you talk a little bit about that? It's not like a shopping mall like we would think of now, right? The, the mall, it was... I think this is also called a mall. If you have a section in the middle of a road, which is which is grass, okay, and then you have a, and it wasn't as if you had to go down the right side on, the, you know, going one way back. You could go either way on either road, and then there were crossroads, okay. and there happened to be a pump at the end of it, and that pump might have been the only water that some of the people would get, so they would always have to go downtown to that mall to. Pump their, to pump their water. water. And what I can remember is th those pumps were always on wooden slabs, mm -hmm. you know, and invariably, I don't know why, I never sh wore shoes in the summer, and I was always getting slivers from those little slabs. But th they were always somebody down there getting water off, off of that pump, although we did have a pump at our place, but we would go down there and get it too. Okay. So the mall would be maybe more like w when you think of Washington, D.C., the mall there, kind of just a green space between roads? I yeah. Okay. But now, that, we, we, there were the three buildings on one side of the mall and three buildings on the other side of the mall. Okay. And then, of course, we could, our paths went back and forth across it, and there was... At one time, the plan was to have two grocery stores. Well, why the little bitty town didn't even need one grocery <laughs> store. And then they had a post office in another store and a restaurant and a print. They, they, there was the Eau Claire Courier that was printed there and then o, the Ojibwa Sales Company. Mm -hmm. The Ojibwa Courier was put. In fact, I believe that the Courier building is still standing there. It's on the, uh, I don't know if it's the National Register of Historic Places, but it is a historic place. It's still standing. It was made out of stone. Is that right? No, it was wood. Oh, I, then I'm talking about something different. Never mind. Don't listen to me. <laughs> the, in fact, it, this was a planned community, you know, and all of the all of the buildings had colonial architecture, so they all had to look oh, the same. Okay. So you had three on one side of the of the mall and three on the other side and then at the top of the mall was this community building and uh and then well in fact it was interesting the railroad came through there and when they came through you know they always painted everything red all their depots were red well, Dad had to always call down to Chicago and tell them that th this was a colonial town. They had to paint it white. So then they would come back and they'd paint the, <laughs> the depot white. And then the next time it was due to be painted red, we'd have to go through this whole thing all over again. But it was always stayed white. <laughs> and it was a colonial architecture. So, you know, at its height, about how many families do you think were living there? Oh, think I could count them very easily. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> there were um, well, I, we won't count mine because we I didn't really live there, you know, other than summers. So I would say maybe there were four houses on one, maybe five or six on one side of the hill, and maybe four down off of the other direction. And then, of course, there was a big farm across the river that was originally there. When, who, what 
different, was it, wouldn't it be the Indians or something were taking the, Ojib- the canoes? The Ojibwe? Oh, you're talking about a stopping place. Maybe. Yeah, even before Ojibwe was there. Okay, yes, where people who were who were traveling on the river, that would be a place where they could stop and spend the night That's and right. get a meal. And yep. it was kind of, it was kind of like a duplex. I mean, one side where the family ended up living in, and then the other side was like a rooming house. For people, yeah. Okay. Um, what do you what do you remember about some of the families that lived there? Do you remember any specific people? Oh yes. In fact, I still keep in touch with with one oh, of them. Oh, do you? And um, it's interesting. Dad tried to get a lot of them to go on to college, and so quite a few of the families had sent you know two or three, always boys. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid. Um, to go on and it went to Madison. Although there were a few who came to Eau Claire and okay. went to school. That, uh, well, I don't know, Bob Sullivan was one I always think of because he was on the basketball team at Madison, the, the okay. basketball team that won the series that okay. time, that year. Um, and he was from Ojibwa? Yep. Okay. Okay. And they had four boys, and all four boys graduated from college. The Not Sullivan necessarily boys? Madison, okay. but all, yeah. So dad pushed an awful lot, and th- lots of times they would come to him because he had the connection with Madison, and he could set them, tell them who to go to and, and help them get started once he went down there. Sure. So there was only one that I was aware of that went to Eau Claire. The rest okay. went to Madison. So your dad was m- involved in more than just developing the land. He was trying to also develop the education of the people that were living there. That and jobs for them. And jobs for them. And that, of course, is what he was doing at the time he died, Mm -hmm. when he was trying to get this logging business, cutting logs or something, going. And uh, somebody didn't make it or something, and and he was there lifting some of the stuff that he shouldn't have been lifting. Shouldn't have been doing. (laughs) But that's not how he died, right? Or that yeah. is how he died. Th- that's, oh. that's when he got his last heart attack. Oh, okay. Okay. That's right. You said you, it was just before you graduated from Madison. Right. Okay. Um, so you said he was more interested in in kind of encouraging the boys to go to college, but once you came along, then he changed his tune a little bit. <laughs> you, he, he, you told me at one time that you would have gotten in trouble if you hadn't gone to Madison. Is that right? Uh, no, uh, you know, I, I, I could, I hate to say this, but I could do pretty much what I wanted to do with Dad. <laughs> um, he kind of expected it, but if I had decided to not, because I went went to you know girl school for the two years before that. Okay. My first two years were in Missouri. Um, although he is the one who checked, it, he got he found that. I mean okay. through the, through Madison himself. Okay. So. Um, yeah, it, I, I hate to say it, but um, mother, I think, was more the disciplinarian. <laughs> you could get away with anything? So, you were an only child, right? Right. And you were born when they were older than right. most people because were they having had children. Right, one child that died earlier. Okay, so it was, okay. Yeah. So, I, I guess, wh- when was the last time you visited Ojibwa? I went up there. I took my grandkids up there. I would say maybe three years ago, and um, went into the post office just to see, you know, what it, what it was like still. And of course, they were selling little things there. And my granddaughter bought one or two of the things just kind of as. A, and they were. I'm trying to remember. My grandson was, or no, I guess it was my son, that was just maybe three or four years old 
when he went up there and stayed with my with my mother a while. But um, and the downtown, if you want to call it a downtown, is uh, the same. Now maybe some of those buildings were empty. I don't know if still if there's still a newspaper there or not. I wouldn't think so. But hmm. so it looked a lot the same as what you remember. Yeah. Okay. And so that you said that was about three years ago. Probably. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to know a little bit more about the cabin that your dad built for you. Did you spend a lot of time there? In this little cabin? Mm -hmm. But by the way, the reason he did that was as an experiment on how to build logs that weren't, you know, typically when you, the old fashioned, nobody can see me, but the, the, the old fashioned logs and they put this kind of stuff between the logs. The chinking. What was that? The chinking? Yeah. Kind of like a, not a cement, but... No, it, it's a soft, like a um, velvet, whatever you call it. And they'd put one log on top of the next. Well, this new idea was you'd put the log on top and then you'd draw a, a thing the way, you know, if a log has a bump, you draw a bump. Then you'd take that log off and hollow it out. Okay. So, and then they'd put this stuff in. Then when you set it down... Uh, then it you know it would hollow out into it okay so it made it probably made it a little warmer much much more so so they practiced on this little cabin that was kind of at the end of our yard and then he had uh, oh I would say I guess maybe four miles out of Ojibwa he built a larger one out where a creek was coming down into the Ojibwa River and then he was going to build a lake out of this. So he's going to build a dam and lake this up. Well, if you've ever gone swimming in water that's spring-fed, <laughs> especially a hundred miles farther north. You don't feel your toes and after a while. Every spring, it would wash out. So that lasted only like two or three years, and then it went back to a little creek going down into the... But he used that, I'm sure, probably on income tax and everything else. But as um, he would invite people from the university up and, and to stay in there. And then several of them did come up and stayed at resorts up there afterwards. But so we never stayed out there. Okay. Um, I have a couple, just two more questions. Do you have any more that, bef- that you want to ask Olaf before we? No, I, okay. I think I, I, it's just really been fascinating to listen to this story. Sure. and. Go ahead. Um, well, my first question is, um, you know, obviously Ojibwa didn't turn into what your dad obviously. expected it to be. Do you know what happened and why it didn't? Are you able to talk about that at all? I would say part of it might have been weather. Okay. I mean, his idea was farming. And that is, I don't know what kind of vegetables you get or anything up there to make. A farm. It's, it's just not, you know, conducive mm-hmm. to it. You've got... A big difference in both spring and fall in the season between Ojibwe and here, mm-hmm. which is a, a, just 100 miles, but you have a big difference in altitude. Yes. And that changes it. And so, you know, I don't think they ever grew strawberries up there. And um, a, a lot of things, you know, in in the garden that, that you couldn't have. So if and, and the dad, that's why dad tried to start the logging thing. Oh, so that so for some kind of business, mm-hmm. and what nothing worked really. Okay, yeah. From what I understand, the land in that area it can vary pretty widely. Um, you know, you can have a decent farm, and then a mile or two down the road, a sand. You know, farm. Although made I just don't remember sand. any decent farms. You up don't in remember that whole any? Area. Okay. No, 
No so big ones. Okay. Because um, the, the, the one that might have been, excuse me, was uh, he ended up being the uh, mail deliverer. Okay. And some, they all seemed to have extra jobs if they really were doing, you know. So doing they were farming well. and also doing yeah. another job. Okay. That that doesn't sound all that different from some of our farmers today, actually, yeah. sometimes. <laughs> yes. Um, so my final question, and if you don't have an answer for this, that's fine, but I kind of wanted to know, you've lived in the Chippewa Valley for almost a century now, yep, and yeah. I was wondering, um, are there any events or people or places from your lifetime that you think it's important for people of the Chippewa Valley to remember as history? People. People. No, is that what you said? Well, Any either people? people or events, anything in, about history that you would really like people to, to remember, people in the Chippewa Valley, and you think it's important that we remember. Well, of course, I'm I, I'm sold on it up here You're anyway, so I mean, I'm gonna, this is going to be biased. <laughs> That's okay. But um, the size of the town, I think, is very conducive for bringing up children. You've got so many advantages here. You're talking about Eau Claire? Eau Claire. Okay. Isn't that what you wanted to <laughs> Yep, what, yep. Okay. Um, you've got the university, which you do. you've got Luther Hospital. You've got Middleford Clinic. You've got all of the, the different medical facilities. Sure. And um, you want to get up north to do something in the summer? You can go in an hour or up to a cabin, an hour and a half, and you've got your cabin. You don't have to spend three days to get there, mm -hmm. like if you're in Chicago or whatever. And you've got, well, Minneapolis is close. If you want to go shopping, you can go for the day. Sure. And just to me, it's ideal. It's a wonderful time to town to bring up your kids because it's small enough that you have it at least back when I brought up my kids, that you knew the parents. Sure. And you knew what the parents were like. You knew what they were doing. And now, um, you know, you get into a large town, and they're picked up. Of course, they're picked up on the bus here, too. Back then, we walked. But um, in your large towns, I don't think half the time you would know who the parents of your child are that, that are in your schools. Sure. If you're talking Chicago, Milwaukee, sure. and... Uh, in Minneapolis. Okay. I think we're almost out of time. Is there anything else that you would want to tell us? Nothing else that we no, need to cover? No, nothing. Okay. Well, I thank you so much for coming and being with us here today. We'd like to thank everyone for listening. And uh, just a reminder, if you want to know more about what's happened in the Chippewa Valley over time, check out uh, our Facebook page, check out our Instagram uh, if you have questions for us, you can email us at info at cvmuseum.com. And uh, we'll, uh, we hope you listen in next time.